welcome to What It Is Your Part Documentary Part Roundtable Podcast with just a sprinkling of competition. My name's Ellie Main and I host every week and joining me is Chelsea Hoffush, the wild card, the guest. Chelsea, how are you doing? Oh, you're literally, you're staring into the ether as I make this introduction. How's it going? I bet you can't. <laughs> what? I bet you can't. Uh-huh. Uh, my current obsession is, like, look. Ellie, you and I are both like we're wifed up. Sure. We've got we've got man wives. Yep. That clean our house while we, you know, do media things. <laughs> yes, that's true. Um, my man wife is actually here. He's he's present. Howdy. Connor, hi. Third uh, place with one hundred points. Third place with one hundred points. <laughs> Wait, do uh, I have points? You do. You gave yourself points the last time you were on the show. Oh, I forgot. And so you're coming in third with one hundred. It's a strong third. Yeah. yeah. Oh that's yeah. True. You're hundred Uncon- points ahead uncontested. of anyone. <laughs> An uncontested third place. Yeah, absolutely. Your man wife is in the other room streaming right now, Ellie, but mine is yeah. over here. Uh, and look, uh, I am very happy uh, with the choices that we've made to uh, be in a be in a situation mm. and live together. To go, uh, full wife mode. Yeah, go full wife mode. It's just the old However, situation. Uh, the one thing that makes me sad sometimes is that like. Uh, it means that like we got out of like the dating app game like a few years ago. A little too soon. Yeah, I and, like, am not they're... sad about that at all. Okay, well that's wrong because oh. look, you don't have to use it to to meet anyone because that's a nightmare. But they're innovating in the weirdest, <laughs> worst ways, and like we don't get to experience it as Your people. Entertainment who are value. Yeah. So like the thing that they've done recently is they've added a thing where like there's this app called Hinge that's like the oh. new Tinder. Yeah. And part of the way it works is that it just gives you prompts like rather than you just like writing a bio it gives you like fun little prompts like dating me is like da 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 uh one cool thing about me is um and then you answer those things it's supposed to give people like um a conversation starter so if they want to match with you they have something to talk about uh and then recently what they've added is that instead of typing your answer to these little prompts Uh you can record a voice memo of yourself no and they are all absolutely unhinged something changes (laughs) unhinged on hinge that could be that is the title of my spinoff podcast (laughs) where i just talk about this shit no um it just i think that there's something that the human brain does when they are typing something out that's like an automatic editing process that does not happen when they are just recording themselves for sure uh and my absolute favorite one right now is uh this guy got the prompt i bet you can't and then he was supposed to answer that question but for some reason he took it as more like i don't know that he was like doing like a vo audition and then he needed to just repeat that so it says i bet you can't and then you click on the voice memo and it's him going i bet you can't yeah no (laughs) it's so good too because it shows like a little waveform and it just like has a little pause at the beginning and you're like just waiting for him to like say and it's like I bet you can't. I bet, <laughs> I bet you can't. I bet you can't. No, uh, the idea of Hinge and all of its friends upset mm-hmm. upsets me. I'm so glad that I never never did it. Yeah. I, I think I would just be... I would meet no one. <laughs> I would be too how scared. Would, how would you describe yourself like on a dating oh, app? Oh, God. I don't even... I mean, okay, if I... Knowing yeah, what on. I do not know about dating apps, sure. what would I say? I would be like, hmm... Oh gosh, I think I would just come in straight with like, I'm 30 and I don't give a fuck anymore. <laughs> you wouldn't be like, hey there. Can find me. <laughs> London ex- expat enjoying the Austin life. Currently main character on I-35. <laughs> uh, 
I hate traffic, yeah. but maybe we can listen to an audiobook together. Those are my favorite spelled with a U. Uh-huh. Yeah. Just to really like, yeah, oh gosh, I can't. I just I don't <laughs> I just oh, don't. you don't want to sell yourself as a commodity to potential life partners? <laughs> Look, I know that it works. Okay. Yeah. I mean, works. you it guys had a connection beforehand, but you reconnected through a dating app. Yes. But yes. But yeah. similarly, it's like I, I had, uh, Connor does remain because I'm so pure. Sure. Uh, Connor does remain the only man that I met through a dating app because I was always really afraid because I was like, these are strangers and they could kill me. So part of like reconnecting with yeah. Connor, it really like, I, I'm not just saying it because I'm like embarrassed about like dating apps because I'm not embarrassed that we like met on a dating app. But I do stress the fact that we already knew each other and like, you know, been like in like a friend circle for a long time because that was the only reason that I was like, oh my God, at least at the very least, I know that this guy can hold a conversation for longer than 45 seconds (laughs) and is not going to murder me. Or if he Mm -hmm. does, all of my friends know who he is. Yeah. Baby, a stranger is just a murderer who hasn't killed you yet. (laughs) That's beautiful. I mean, if you hadn't known each other beforehand, then I would be a very shitty friend in the situation. It's actually friend slash roommate in the situation in which you guys reconnected because it was after quite, quite the night out. Oh yeah, so I would never have let you just go back to (laughs) bye, bye, bye. Go to a stranger's house. See you later. Uh, One of my very favorite uh, moments from when Connor and I were first dating, and I was uh, living on your couch. Yes, uh, was that I came home. I think it must have been like a rooster teeth like party or happy hour because it was like Mm. it was a weird time. It was like eight thirty or nine p.m. But I was coming home from like an event, and I like Ubered home, and I was very drunk, and you and uh, Miles were like on the couch like playing video games you're like what are you doing I'm like I'm calling a car I'm going over to Connor's house and you were like are you do you think that's a good idea you Should seem you like it? really really drunk and I said <laughs> according to you I said I understand that you did but I'm going <laughs> it was so like it was amazing it was like it was the cli- it was the climax of your movie of yeah. that night and you were like I, I know I understand that but I am gonna go but I am gonna go and we were like Godspeed be well, safe Connor and I, you know, we liked to play checkers. Mm-hmm. What does that mean? Well, you know, this is a family-friendly podcast, so I can't talk about oh, how, right, like, right, right, you right. know, like, yeah, how like we were like, you know, doing sinful things, playing we a lived lot together, of, playing yeah. a lot of checkers. So we were just like playing checkers before you lived, before you sealed the deal and before lived we together, sealed the deal and lived together. Well, yeah, and shared insurance, which is the millennial. That's uh, true. That's like, the millennial marriage. Yeah. Yeah. Do you guys want to know something infuriating about olive oil? <laughs> Yes, I thought this was your topic, is this not? No, it's not my topic, this is my fact bag. Oh, your fact bag is about yeah. ball? Yeah, about moal. Okay. Yeah. So, so apparently there is this huge lawsuit happening right now in the United States because olive oil companies and olive oil producers have been using just an itty tiny bit of actual olive oil and then using canola or vegetable oil as the oh, rest to fill it up. Sucks. And not putting it on the ingredients. And the only way to tell if your olive oil is real olive oil is to look at the bottle. Like every olive oil that's 100% olive oil has to have like a bottle date and a sell-by date. And those are like have a clear gap between them. If you buy most oils just off the shelf, most olive oils, extra virgin, whatever they say, even if this is 100% organic, they will be olive oil plus most likely vegetable oil or even like soy fillers. And so then everyone was like, hey, that's not cool. You should put that on your ingredients. And they were like, well, we don't want to. Yeah. Like, so now it's like, a f- yeah, that's not great for us. Yeah. So now it's a fun little lawsuit. Also, if you ever, this is another trick. The reason that olive oil is sold in dark 
plastic bottles or dark glass bottles is to prevent oxidization of real olive oil. Mm -hmm. So if you see any olive oil sold in like a clear or a light plastic or glass bottle, it's not real. Ooh. Uh, Well, this is coming from, I just bought a very expensive, but it was like, it's like a canister of olive oil. Mm -hmm. So um, I am going to go home and look for those two dates. And if they don't have a big gap between them, I'm going to be really mad. And if they have no (laughs) dates, then it's not real at all. And most spray olive oils aren't real. Now, I did know that. Like, you can't have everything. Yeah, you can't. (laughs) I want the most purest of olives, but I want them to spray easily. I want to spray so I can tell myself there's no calories. Yeah, no, that's Um, not true. That is uh, upsetting. Well, I think I told you earlier off off air that I thought that like we were going to be tonally aligned. I could mm. just feel it this episode, and we and this is continuing because I wanted to bring up but up 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 new segment. Uh, <gasps> Love called, a new segment. Yeah, called you know what really grinds my gears. Oh yes, you know what really grinds. And so I've got two just as like a fun double feature to start off this new segment. Love it. But very much like aligned with what with your fact bang about the olive oil. Mm-hmm. Um, so these are two things that just really grinds my gears. And you know what? They are um, they are I think similar level in terms of like the damage that they're doing to like the world and like the okay. community at large. So just yeah. keep that in mind that like mm-hmm. I consider these two things like at the same level of gear grinding. Sure. Right? Mm-hmm. Okay. So the first one is um, I'm a vegetarian. I think a lot of people know this. Mm-hmm. Um, and there is a vegan cheese place in Austin that on Saturdays and Sundays only, they will do a bagel with lox, but it's vegan. It's very expensive because it's, you know, obviously like a specialty thing, mm-hmm. which is kind of annoying because it's literally like a bagel, fake cream cheese, and then they make it out of tomato. So they like thin slice this tomato and like marinate it okay. in this like combination of like vinegars and seasonings. And it gives it this really delicious, like sort of almost a little fishy, salty, smoky taste. Um, And so even though this is a fucking $11 bagel, like every once in a while, I will treat myself because it just like feels like this very special thing. Yes. Uh, I got it on Saturday, yesterday. um, And they did the thing that they're at the first bagel place to do this to me, but every single time it just grinds my gears. Eleanor, have you ever ordered a bagel <laughs> toasted with cream cheese and they put all of the cream cheese on one side of the bagel oh, yeah. and then they give you just a bare ass, like a bare naked <laughs> fucking other side of the bagel. Rude. I was furious because I was starving. Like I woke up and I was a little hungover and I finally like got it like together enough to like order this bagel. And then I drove over to get it. And I was looking forward to like taking like that first perfect bite. Oh, literally like, down on that bagel. Yeah, like in the parking lot on my way home. I was so hungry and I couldn't because the entire thing, it was like, it was a bagel, just like Big- a <laughs> fucking like inch and a Big- half layer of cream cheese like it was clear like it was enough cream cheese to spread amongst both slices it just wasn't <laughs> could have been shed amongst yeah. both and then the, and then the fake locks the vegan locks the tomato locks and then the onions and the capers so i was like i will have to go home scrape all the toppings off spread the cheese evenly and then redistribute the toppings why would you do this you couldn't just pop the top on I didn't want to eat it like a sandwich. Oh, uh, okay. And it's not meant to be eaten like a sandwich. Yeah. 
Well, they really so did rude. get dirty on the locks too. Yeah, I think it's honestly, I think that's what it is. I think they wanted. To, I think it's their way of giving you less locks because there was a very small amount yeah, of the locks. They were covering up their shame like a cat. <laughs> yeah, it was <laughs> so <laughs> fucked. Get it out of there. So yeah. that was the first thing that really grind my gears. Okay, and then equal grind. Second thing is I learned while we were having dinner right before recording that you don't know about this Johnson and Johnson thing that's going on. I don't know about Johnson and Johnson. I just okay. saw a very funny tweet from Taryn Killen that was like, so they're going to be Johnson and johnson and i was like yeah <laughs> uh well let me tell you uh a really cool story oh no which is that johnson and johnson uh oh, makes the world yeah makes like uh a, i don't know a billion fucking products but one of the billion fucking products that they make is baby formula um and, you know and that's a thing that people who have babies use to feed their babies yeah which is uh, I think maybe in like the top like three things you want to do for a baby is feed it is feed it. Yeah. Um, well, they did a really bad job of making baby formula and it made a lot of babies really, really sick and it made some of the babies die. Oh, uh, and when it was found out that they were selling subpar baby formula that hadn't been accurately checked and, and was dangerous. Yeah. Uh, they took them all off the shelves and they got their asses sued. Sure. So you know what they did? They opened up a shell corporation uh, that is part of Johnson and Johnson. They, like, they opened up like a new like sort of like mini company under their umbrella, sure. and they based it in Texas. Texas is one of the only states where you, uh, as a company, like as a corporation, can file for bankruptcy against your own um, like sort of like uh, lawsuit losses, like your uh, what do you call it what? tort losses. Uh, so they transferred. They basically created a company that didn't exist before, and then they transferred the entire like balance lawsuit. of the loss from the lawsuit, like the the damages. That was what they were trying looking for. They transferred the balances of the damages that they owed to all of these mothers whose babies uh, were hurt or killed. Um, and then when they transferred the loss, they said, "Oh, Texas, look at this. We, our company made negative five hundred million dollars. We have no money. We have no status. We have to file for bankruptcy." And Texas said, "Okay." And now they don't have to pay any of those mothers. Mm. So none of those women will get any money. That sucks. That's really bad. That's yeah. very bad. Anyway, mm. and so that and the bagel, I would say, are the two yeah, things the two that really grind <laughs> my gears. Do an equal amount. No, I'm weighing them both in my hands. Yeah, it's kind of like a scale. Yeah, and like they're even and out. Like. And they're really you're What's, just like damn. What was in there? That I'm not as like familiar with, like so that's why I didn't want to speak on it and like be wrong. It was full of bagels that had all this. Oh god, one sided bagels. And babies hate that. Babies hate that. No, it just, just like again, like just like a, a new level of I feel like just like wanton cruelty because honestly, they could pay all of those damages and it wouldn't change no their bottom line at all. Yeah. Like they would still exist as a company. Or the life of any single one of its members. Multi-billion dollar company. Yeah, it just might mean that, like, maybe they can't have, like, the annual, like, senior leadership retreat to, like, the Maldives or whatever this year. Maybe. Unacceptable! Yeah. So what they would rather do is, like, this absolutely insane maneuver um, to just get out of, like... To make sure that these mothers don't... Yeah. Women who maybe also probably, like... If not money, put, like, a lot of, like, time and effort into, like... It's not easy to, like, sue a corporation no. like you have there's a lot of stuff you have to do but they did it in the hopes that they would be like 
um, you know, that they would be at least like vindicated. Like this terrible, terrible thing happened to me, but maybe like I could be comfortable for the rest of my life. Or just like maybe, yeah, like I could like get them to admit that like they did something wrong. Oh, no, no, no. Um, No. Companies are are truly the boomers (laughs) of when it comes to uh, taking responsibility for stuff. Right, absolutely. Well, okay, so what is the title of your topic? The title of my topic is uh, Dumb Singularity. Dumb Singularity? Yes, Dumb Singularity. Is it any kind of like math problem or anything like that? No, the math will be involved, but... I was reminded of Connor's first visit to What the Podcast the other day. To um, what land? By our friend Joe, who brought up the Chihuahua... Oh, the Monty Hall problem. The Monty Hall problem. Yeah. And he was like, I can't remember in what... I think we were just like kind of telling each other, we were like doing a whole little like riddle thing. And then he was like, okay, so if you're a contestant on a show and there are three things, and I was like, you always switch. And he was like, do you remember why? And I was like, no. <laughs> but I know that you always do, mathematically speaking. Isn't okay. it, it's like uh, 50% versus two thirds or something like that. It's uh, still a brain bender to me, to be yeah. honest. But uh, it's not a math, so this is not I a mean, math. I mean, it's not the topic today. It's not a math, really. <laughs> but yeah. This is not a math. Can this re- is not a math. Can you repeat? Uh, dumb singularity. Dumb singularity. Do you know what the singularity is? No. Connor, do you know what the singularity is? Uh, vaguely. Do you want to vaguely throw it out uh, there? It's the idea that at a certain point, technology oh, will oh. advance so rapidly that it will hit some sort of like exponential growth point. And like things will change. Robots. Like beyond yeah. like, human. Robots. AI taking control. Con- but like Connor actually yeah. explained it in like, I think like the smart and true way. I think as a shorthand, it is often used to mean like the moment that Skynet will like take right. over and robots will. Yes, because we talked yeah. about this when I told you about the robot lady. Yeah, Sophie. Sophie or Sophia? Sophia, I think. Sophie! Sophie! <laughs> uh, I, well, I cut short because I was like, wait, is it Sophie or Sophia? And so I was like, Sophie! So, well, this is dumb singularity. Dumb singularity. Something that's going to take control that's stupid? Mmm. Are you saying that the singularity will be dumb? <gasps> Both. ¿Por qué no los dos? <laughs> um, uh, yeah, well, you, you guys can't see it at home, but I'm doing like a fun little like sort of like teasy shrug, which I know is really good for audio. <laughs> so, Is this about like Roombas taking over the world? I wish. Well, that would be pretty cool. That I could, that I could deal with. Um, it's not about that guy on TikTok that was like the the fact that people don't believe in the like in the way that a mask works is just proof that we're going backwards as a species because it's like the literal way that like shelter or or like wearing clothes <laughs> shelter for your face. <laughs> uh, no, but the, I mean TikTok uh, TikTok does make an appearance in the oh, story. Okay. I mean, I will say like in as much as uh, dumb singularity is essentially like what we're gonna talk about. Okay, uh, but to t- to illustrate my point. I'm going to tell a very specific story about a thing that's happening right now. Ooh, I'm excited. What's the title of your topic? The title of my topic, and I'm very excited because I think that the three of us are going to be able to geek out hard about this. I love to geek out. Yeah. I the title of my topic is A Game Too Good. Oh. A Game Too Good. A Game mm-hmm. Too Good. Too Good. Is it about... Cyberpunk 2077, well known as a game that was too good uh, and worked too well. No, it's not about Cyberpunk 77, mm. but I, I, yeah, it worked too well. Got uh, it. Just it just well, works. You're joking, <laughs> but like it, it was actually too good, and they had to put all the bugs in because they knew it would yeah, like, they had destroy to feel society. It with bugs. Yeah, yeah <laughs> they knew it would cause a singularity. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> this game is too good. They said, let's uh, ruin it. Is it about 
Are we going like analog? Like we're going back and being like, oh, chess is a perfect game or whatever. No, 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 okay. no, no, no. We're not no. talking about Go. No. We're not talking about checkers. Mm-mm. About not- life. I mean, in a way, life features, but it's not about the game of life. It's not about the game of life. No. Um, that classic. You know what's very fun? If you haven't played Life in a while, uh, it's very fun to go on there and like, or at least like maybe they've actually updated this for like, <laughs> uh, you know, Gen Z or whatever. But I remember my version of Game of Life, like the highest salary you could get was like $70,000. Yeah. It was like, wow, we You get the mansion. I got $70,000. I'm on easy street. <laughs> <laughs> Whereas now, like, I don't think you could, like, raise a family on $70,000, at least, like, not in, like, cities. You know what I mean? Oh, absolutely. Which is, like, again, like, not to say, like, I'm not trying to sound like it's not a lot of money, because it is. The point is, is that it's a lot of money, and everything else has just become so absurdly expensive. But also, that amount of money was represented in that game as, like, you get the biggest mansion. Yeah. Which is, like... Like, nobody's buying a mansion, again, like, in cities, like, nobody's buying a mansion... (laughs) On, on, on a single $70,000 a no. year salary. It's not about the game of life. Okay. Well, I'm glad that we established that and the thing about the mansion. Yeah. Um, that was important. Um, a game too good. It's just too good. Now, I mean, like, this is, this is a vague question, but it's a vague title. Uh, is it about video games? Video games, yes. I will give you that. <sighs> it is about video games. It is about a vid... Mm. It's about a game. That would we have love video games. That would have been on. a video game. But it was too good. But it was too good. Yeah. I'm excited to find out. Yeah. Do you want to start with that? Yeah, let's start with it. Okay. This is the story of a video game prototype that its creators not only had to stop working on, but were forced to ban from their own studio because of the psychological effect it was having on everyone who played it. Oh my god. Yeah, okay. I think you guys would get will yeah, enjoy tell this. Me about it. The thing is that if we wanted to play it tonight, we could. All we would need is a grid, post-it notes, and a few tokens. The game what? the game is by all accounts very, very simple. This is a game that's won or lost largely based on how well you can manipulate other players. And yes, there are action points and there's health, but really the true currency of this game, like so many others, is trust. Mm-hmm. Have you heard of Half Brick Studios? No. No. So you might have heard of some of their games. They're an Australian-based game developer. They made Fruit Ninja. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, come on. Mm. We've all classic. Of Fruit Ninja. Yeah, classic. And... They was after the you know Fruit Ninja did really well. They made another game that I can't really remember the name of, but Vegetable Ninja, something mm-hmm. like that. <laughs> they were trying to come up with something new, and so they were playing around with several concepts. When these two designers, Luke Muscat and Joe Gatling, they will definitely come back. They found themselves interested in the idea of something that you wouldn't just like you know just play on your phone, but something you'd find yourself kind of obsessing over and discussing outside of the game itself. Um, just for context, this was the exact same time as when Words with Friends basically just like took over the whole world for a second mm-hmm. there. That was a really fun like five months of my life that where was I was just yeah. playing Words with Friends with like like literally like a friend of mine, like her aunt and I were like playing Words with Friends. It was like the twenty twelve. It was like the echo uh, of what would be Animal Crossing during the pandemic. That like yeah. everyone would just be like, "This is what I'm doing." Yeah, Words with Friends was really scooping the globe at this point. So other, especially mobile game 
studios wanted to like find their own words with friends obviously game design is incredibly prohibitively expensive and so they decided to play test this idea that they came up with on paper and they wrangled as many volunteers as they could from around the office an email was sent out this is like hey would you guys would like to test a new game it's gonna take a couple weeks to complete probably shouldn't require more than a few minutes of your time each day and if you're interested we're gonna be playing in a boardroom in the boardroom with the glass walls this is important this will come back if you want to be involved, cheers, let's do it. And 16 people signed up, which was way more than they were thinking. So plus one of the designers, Joe Gatling, who was going to be in there to kind of like see how people were playing with each other and, and report back to Luke Muscat. There was 17 people joined the game. And this game is called Tank Tactics. And this is how it works. So each of the 17 players were assigned a tank on a table-sized grid. Imagine like... Uh, pretty much your normal kind of desk size. The squares are roughly three inches squared and it's like a okay. huge grid over this, over mm-hmm. like- Over a, the whole table. Over the whole table. Okay. And assigned at random, everyone's tank was represented by a square post-it note of like, a, you know, of a color so that they all knew where their tanks were. Mm-hmm. Everyone starts with three hit points or hearts for health, whichever way you want to think about it. And if you lose all three that you're dead, pretty obvious that mm-hmm. one. And then everyone starts with a specific range- of their tank, of how many squares surrounding their tank can they shoot. So then players get these action points at their disposal and they can use these points to either shoot, move, or upgrade the range of their tank. That is like the very basic opening Mm -hmm. instructions of the game. If you're close enough to another player and you use an action point to shoot, you'll hit them and in doing so you'll move one of their hit points. The last player standing wins the game. Let's get a little bit more granular with it. Okay. How do the players receive these action points? They receive exactly one per day from the designer, Joe Muscat himself, who would wander around the office and hand them out. And here's the rule that ultimately kind of changes everything. Let's say you've got your tank and you've got your single action point and you're in range of another player ready to attack them. If you wanted to, instead, you could choose to send your action point over to that other player. Meaning that there's a, let's say there's a player with two action points and they want to kill another player who's got three health. They can potentially convince their other neighbor to give them an action point and then bam, 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 they can immediately kill this player in one attack. Does that make mm-hmm. sense? Yeah. So I guess there was like a, I mean, I know that they were playing an analog at this point, but there was like a chat function, I guess. Yes. They so would have like, been a chat function in the game. Okay. So it's like if, if we were all on the board mm-hmm. and I was in range of Connor, I could say, Hey Connor, like, it's my turn and I have an action point and I could hit you or I know that you have a range that's bigger than mine. So what if I what if I don't hit you? I send you my action point, but then you have to promise not to use it against me and you have to go after Ellie. Yep. Because you'll have two mm. action. Points. That's exactly it. OK. OK. So what the designers promise what the designers expected was that the game would kick off pretty slowly. And like people would start forming little clusters all over the map. And then the, the main stress of the game would come in the fact that these gangs over a long period of time sort of rose up and would like maybe collapse in amongst themselves. It would be like a big game of tank chicken. A few hours in, three players were already dead. Essentially, we you know we're talking about people who work in a game office. And so their their instinct in playtesting this game is to push it to its extremes of like what can the rules handle right where are the cracks what's going to happen like rather than like starting off slowly let's just really like unpack this thing so a few hours in three of the players are already dead 
very quickly, everyone mobilized and created a huge faction of like 12 or so players. So there were 12 against five almost immediately of people just being like, okay, 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 okay. And figuring out <laughs> deals with each other. And then everyone traded their points to a single player who was unable to take 12 actions, which included nine shots and three moves. Oh so God. before people could even go into the glass boardroom to look at the game, three of them are out. Okay. <laughs> So just take a, take a moment to kind of think about the kind of promises that must have been made in order to get all 12 of those players to work together in unison in a game in which everyone knows only one player is going to win. So it's kind of like when you make a Mario Party alliance, kind of like you were saying, you have to promise me, but like there's no guarantee at the end of the day, someone right. is going to fuck someone over. So that, yeah, exactly. There's no guarantee as you hand over your stack of action points that they're actually going to do what they said they were going to do. Also, what is it like being one of those five people not invited to the faction, the party of 12 people? It'll make for some awkward chat around the water right. cooler. Or, or worse, being one of the three people that got murdered, like got knocked out of the game before they could even go in there and take a look at what was going on. And I'd get upset. over the course of the next... Maybe we'd get so upset. Oh, <laughs> me too. Over the course of the next eight days, productivity at Halfbrick Studios completely plummeted. Oh, shit. So this is, this is a, from Joe Gatling, one of the designers. It just started as a game prototype, but it very quickly took over the whole office. The game was intended to be played in people's off hours. Like, you know, if you have a few, if you have a few moments, why not go down and check the board? Right. It ended up being that people were playing the game constantly and doing work in moments where things weren't happening. So that got a little bit much. Tank tactics was happening everywhere all of the time. A few days into the campaign, the designers sent out anonymous uh, anonymous surveys to the players and discovered that 39% of them were discussing the game between 3 and 10 times a day, and 18% talked about it more than 11 times every single day. And the chances are, if you weren't spending your time plotting with other players, they were spending their time plotting against you. Mm-hmm. So Joe, Joe says, we'd made this elaborate plan. I'd formed up with a whole load of people and we'd spent a solid 10 minutes in the room discussing the logistics and whether or not we had enough points to make necessary sequence of moves and kills and everything like that. And so we're all in agreement. I handed my tokens to this person who just looked at me and said, and now you're dead. <laughs> and dropped the token into the box and just backstabbed me there, right then and there. And so... For a lot of people who, especially people who don't play any kinds of video games or don't play these sort of like long unfolding games, it's kind of like, so what? People playing a game with one winner and some backstabbing is going on, but it is an entirely different thing when you put something like this in an, in a workplace. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> people all are, who are all supposed to work together. So, okay. So back to this glass boardroom, boardroom right? This conference mm-hmm. room. A later investigation after this whole thing had been and gone would reveal that at least five employees who were not playing the games themselves were being paid to feed information to those who were <laughs> so a number Incredible. of them a number of them who had clear sight lines of the game from their desk and anybody who was taking actions throughout the day so people were literally bribing people near the room where tank turns was to let them know that over the company messenger when someone was approaching the room and then there's another gameplay mechanic that i haven't yet mentioned which it puts an incredible spin on it again, which is the jury. Luke Muscat and Joe Gatling admit that they lifted this pretty much straight from Survivor. Okay. So as players are eliminated from the game, they become jury members who once per day get to vote on which player they want to help out. If any player receives three votes from the jury, they're given an extra action point. <laughs> so if you betray too many people, even if they're defeated, they're going to hold that grudge against you into the afterlife and suddenly your new opponents that you encounter are be- going to be the ones getting these additional action points to play against you. And... 
like everything else in this game, it led to a whole new set of problems. So, you know how in like sometimes when we would play Town of Salem mm-hmm. and you would just be playing the game, right? You would play the rules as you were meant to be playing, which is like you're supposed to survive and you do anything you can. And sometimes that means fucking people over. And every now and then we would get these messages that like, that's really not cool. Like... I'm was... grounded and I'm already in a shit place and the fuck that you fucked me like you fucked me over in this game and now I'm just really depressed. Can and you were like, like why are you playing like a deception game? All right. <laughs> and for the most part when we're playing things like Town of Salem, we're that's like 11-year-old children. Yeah. But this started to happen at work in meetings throughout oh God, can you imagine throughout the day so good mm-hmm. yeah so imagine like writing or receiving a message a message just like that but it's about alan from accounting yeah <laughs> i just love the idea of like trying to start a meeting like and being like okay we're gonna go over the marketing strategy for this new release but first kyle yeah what the fuck man like what the fuck is up kyle yeah. <laughs> so this this email thread that started like it started as an email thread just like hey here's the game that we're prototyping here's how it works here's who's playing mm-hmm. and it like the idea is that this email thread would keep going and alert people on how the game was going so that if any of the other like game developers or designers had any ideas whatever they would be you know privy to all this information but it quickly turned into like sharing grievances about co-workers actions of like i can't believe you fucking did that i have two children um <laughs> And sometimes this was like a lighthearted because a part of this was swaying the jury. So sometimes this was like a lighthearted attempt to sway them, but sometimes it was like really venting frustration. Mm. And this game is supposed to be all about trust. And certain emails were being sent to this, uh, through this thread anonymously. And that's when things started to really get out of hand. Oh my god. There is an example from this whole conflict of two people who were like really, really close and are like still no longer talk because one of them saw this more of a game and another person saw this more of as like a personal betrayal of their friendship and like a betrayal of their interpersonal trust. And so, and I mean, like, put this in a workspace, put big personalities in the mix. And also something that really fucking complicates this, which was different levels of seniority inside of the team that was playing this game. So you had some people's bosses who would fuck you over right before you're supposed to do something that's to like completely to do with your job and your work. And you're just like, what the fuck? Fuck this. So people who have direct reports who were part were part of the game playing together. I was just thinking about that. Like, would I have the guts to like sink my boss's tank and the answer is i don't know that i would i don't know that i would (laughs) after eight days of playing this game the decision was made from the top down to stop it um (laughs) by now more than one person had come forward to muscat one of the designers to say this is affecting my relationship with other people here and it's changing how i feel about work and i don't want tank tactics to be in part of our office anymore And it's essentially just started to erode that confidence that everyone had in like the idea of working in a team and knowing that everyone has your back when you're doing something like actually, you know, for your livelihood, that's super important. And you're supposed to be all on the same side and pulling towards the same objective. And then meanwhile, two hours a day, you have this experience playing out that is telling you the exact opposite of what you're supposed to be feeling at work. Um, These people don't have my back. They're not on my side. They're not here to champion me. They're just going to turn around and shoot my tongue and kill me. It's um, like they some they accidentally built the exact like antithesis of like a team building exercise. Yes, yeah. they built like a team destroying exercise. Absolutely. <laughs> and there might still be people. I mean, even just like relaying it because I watched a bunch of videos about this and I read a bunch of articles about it. 
And there's still people that are just like, really, people got like that upset about a game. But some people think like hours, days, even weeks into these type of games. There are so many games out there that it's like, this is the entire point of it. There's always going to be one winner, but like, it's all about creating these factions and working together and then betraying each other. And sometimes these roll out over a couple of days. Sometimes these games take months to complete. Mm -hmm. There's one, I forget the name of it, but it's like a whole like star system nebula game and the only like thing that you see that you interface with is this huge map of like different stars and different ships and stuff and it moves very very slowly but it's one of those games that you're also always playing Mm -hmm. and people get just they get so into this that it does become like blurring these lines between okay this is my friend and i trust them to then like oh but then if you're gonna screw me over in this dumb game are you gonna screw me over in real life and Especially in like, and and then, oh, it's called Neptune's Pride. That's what it's called, that like space game. So it's, it's partly the sort of this like obvious need and this balance between diplomacy and betrayal, but it's partly also the time sink that gets people so invested into these things. Because once it's like, well, I've spent five hours strategizing and like, I really do give a shit about this. And then you just turn around and like, fuck me over. (laughs) Um, And then, and so Luke Muscat, one of the designers, he says like, at the time not at the time I was making it, but now I really hate those kinds of games. Like all of the social deduction board games are my absolute, absolute least favorite kinds of board games to play. Like Secret Hitler or The Thing, like loads of these mm. games depend on this this uh, idea. And he's like, I just now after, after, after Tank Tactics, I get so anxious that it just becomes like a knot in my stomach and I cannot play those types of games. <laughs> and he said, I would much rather stuff that is bound by strong rules and not because this person doesn't believe that I'm not a liar or whatever. <laughs> it dramatically changes the course of the game. I like the strategizing to play directly off the rules rather than play off people. So yeah, I really don't like those kinds of games and there's no part of me that strongly regrets that game not existing. So after eight days, they not only paused development on Tank Tactics, but they completely banned it from the office never to return. <laughs> and uh, that is the story of a game that was just too good. Oh my God. Wow. Uh, I do love the idea of just like, it's like your first day. What was the name of the studio? Half Brick? Half Brick. It's like your first date at Half Brick and you're like, yeah, like, what's that? I mean, I'm excited. Like, I did see something like carved into the drawer of my desk about it was tank tactics. And there's like everybody at the happy hour gets really quiet. They're like, no. Like, we don't talk about that. I want to know how much <laughs> the people who just had adjacent desks to the boardroom were bribed. Made. To be like, yeah, I'll tell you when anyone goes in there how much you want. Yeah. <laughs> so good and that's what I feel like I would do like that would be like my role is like I'm not gonna play this because I know I'll get mad and I know it'll ruin my fucking day yeah mm. but I will absolutely like I will absolutely be like the Matahari of like <laughs> shh I saw Jonas go in there and he had three count him three post-it notes three yeah. so make of that what you will Karen is going uh, the eagle has landed the eagle has landed in the boardroom <laughs> I think that'd be very fun. That is deeply good. So that's my story. I like that. Yeah. I don't want to play that game. <laughs> uh, you don't even want to try it. Well, I don't think that because I've got some paper and yeah. some and some post-it notes right yeah. here. I think it'd be fun if we all came out of this recording to tell Miles uh, that we killed him. Yeah. Oh They're yeah. Like we all, but hey, we all we didn't know we, we were playing the game. game. We started a fresh game, game. And we decided that we're all uh, gonna band together. and We're gonna kill you. Yeah, we played yeah. tank tactics, and you are dead. And it's like, well, no, I wasn't playing. It's like, no, no, you were. You were, but we, but we killed. You're not you, playing anymore. Not yeah. anymore now. Yeah, no, you are dead. Eliminated. We spent all of our action yeah. tokens to kill yeah. you. <laughs> well, he yeah. probably would be upset even if he didn't understand what's going yeah. on. Yeah. <laughs>
something I like that I think everybody at home probably knows about, but if they don't, um, the, the two of us and our respective man wives that we already talked about, yeah, uh, we like to write together and we're all, we it's have like cute. a little writer's group. It's very cute. Um, but there's a little bit of writing advice that I think about all the time, uh, that came from Abraham Lincoln, who I know you would normally not think of as somebody who gives writer's advice. Yeah. But he has this quote where he says, uh, better to be silent and be thought a fool than to open your mouth and remove all doubt. Nice. And again, he was not giving that advice about writing. No. But I take that advice for writing. And specifically, the way that I take that advice is if you have a character that um, it's like important to the plot that they painted the best painting that you've ever seen or that they wrote like you know um a short story that got them into harvard sure or you know they're gonna go be at like nyu film school they do Uh, something extraordinary you shouldn't show that short film oh yeah you shouldn't include that song because it is very unlikely that you as the writer as the creator of this can make something that universally everybody who is experiencing your story will agree Mm -hmm. is, is an incredible song or an incredible painting or an incredible movie. Uh, And no matter what, even if you were somehow able to do that, um, it's still never going to be as good as the one that is in your reader's head. Sure. Um, All this, I swear is going to come together. and make sense. You know, I love to, you know, I love to start like a big, Mm -hmm. A Give big me, thing. Pose me a question. So the reason I've been thinking about this a lot is because in basically every um, every like fictional portrayal of the singularity, which as Connor explained earlier when we were talking about topic titles, uh, is this idea of um, technology reaching a point, mm-hmm. uh, growing so exponentially that it's going to kind of like overtake human civilization as like the dominant force on the planet. Right. It is always sort of depicted uh, in speculative fiction as like, um, you know, oh, my God, we we made something so powerful, so incredible, so advanced that then like it turns on us because, you know, human beings are like so like creative and chaotic Mm, and like it's like the thing about it is that it still absolutely understandably centers like humanity and like the human experience as like the thing that both creates the problem but also is the reason that the problem like gets solved yeah uh but you know what much like much like a story where you write about an incredible painter our technology can only ever be as smart as we are because we're the ones that make it right there's not going to be this (laughs) moment where somehow a robot of our own design like figures something out beyond our own knowledge most likely not but what does seem to happen (laughs) And what I have a really great kind of, I feel like early, what will eventually be studied as like an early example of this is that we are stupid. And so then we create technology and that technology has the same flaws that our own thinking has. Mm -hmm. And that causes huge problems at scale because the thing that our technology can do that we cannot do is it can do this automated thousands of times a second. Right. So you just take what would be a human error and then you multiply it by thousands oh, of times a second. Okay. And then you get these big 
big, big problems. So it's like in us trying to solve our own problems, we actually sort of magnify them. Well, sometimes. Yes. In in such that we try to become dependent. Well, not even try to become, we are becoming more and more dependent on on AI and technology and automation. Mm-hmm. Like, I I truly believe that the singularity is not going to be some staggering work of technological genius that overtakes us, I think it's going to be a big, dumb mistake. It'll just be big oopsie-doos of our own making. Yeah, big old oopsie-doos. And here is, I think, a very good early example. Okay. Which is the story of what is going on with Zillow right now. Zillow. Okay, so can I tell you what I know from a book? Yes, please tell me what you know. From half a headline. Sure. That Zillow, like... AI has been buying homes mm-hmm. and is then attempting to resell them for profit, as you can imagine. Yeah, you're going to want to make a profit. That is causing another like short in the system. Yeah. So, I mean, so yes, you have like, you have all the different have parts. the bare bones. You, well, yeah, you have all the different kind of like um, components. And so like, let's put them together. Okay. If you're listening from other countries, Zillow is like Rightmove or any of those apps where you can look up houses to buy There's or rent. There's a UK Zillow. That's fun. It's called Rightmove. 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 Um, yeah. Zillow is not just a website for buying and selling houses. Zillow has become essentially an American pastime to the point where there was an SNL sketch during the pandemic called Zillow that was just about how much people like to use Zillow to autumn, to like kind of like, snoop. essentially like surf. Like it's like house surfing. Like... You go on and you're like, I mean, I'll admit I've done it. Like, um, you know, we're very fortunate that we live in a house that um, Connor's parents were able to buy. So we kind of pay like an artificially like uh, like we, we pay like essentially like rent control. Right. Um, in order to like build equity in a house that like I think otherwise we would not have been able to afford because Austin is an incredibly Oof. expensive market right now. Houses are regularly being bought for like a lot over what they're selling for. Like $100,000 over yeah. asking. So, uh, and this is not unco- this is not unique to Austin. We're experiencing it uniquely because we live here, the three of us. But, I mean, other friends of ours that live in other kind of like similarly sized cities. We have friends who live in Seattle. I have friends who live in L.A. because my work is based in L.A. Um, you know, we have friends who have moved over to like... Uh, like Nashville and like that kind of area. This is happening kind of globally. Mm-hmm. It's like anywhere where like you have a city with positive, um, positive economic growth or positive population growth, uh, there's becoming like almost like an artificial sort of scarcity on housing. Yeah. And Zillow is absolutely part of this. And here is how it works. And I will say this part of it is speculation. It's not something that Zillow has like absolutely created. Like it's not a connection that Zillow has explicitly confirmed but Mm. they also have hinted at like they haven't really denied it when people have brought it up um so say for example i have zillow surfed done this like activity Mm -hmm. um one example would be like i said my my work is based in la uh, and we have no plans to move to la but everyone's well i'm like okay i know what our house is roughly worth in austin Mm -hmm. so what if i went on zillow and i put in the zip code near where my work is in la and then i put in that amount of money 
that we could theoretically get for our house in Austin. And I saw like what kind of house we could get. What could we get for this amount of money in LA in this zip code? Right. Uh, and it's fun. And I look at them and the answer is nothing. Nothing at uh, all. And the answer is absolutely not even one thing. Uh, oh, dude, it's the exact same. Because like, I like, it's it's fun. I it's do that. fun. I do that with London too. And I'm like, what could I th- theoretically yeah. get? And then it's like, oh, a cupboard. I've done it with New York. For my shoes. Yeah. I'm like, I've done it with New York where I'm like, how far out would I have to go in order to be able to get even just like something I could afford? Um, And I am one of millions of people who do this every single day. And here's what's interesting. A few years ago, Zillow decided to open a, an arm of their company that was called iBuying. And they're taking that data that we're kind of regularly sort of supplying by doing this like fun uh, Zillow surfing activity and saying, okay, well, it seems like there's been a 34% surge in interest month over month on this specific zip code uh, in, you know, 78704. It's had a positive growth of like this percentage and the, you know, most people who are, who are Googling in this area or Zillow searching in this area, they are putting in as their price range, 700,000 to 900,000. Therefore, houses right now in that area could sell for as high as 900,000. Even if, say, all the houses in that area are averaging around 600,000. So they're noticing that people are searching in there and they are willing to pay up to 900,000. So then Zillow, with their new iBuying arm, that's so fucked up. They bought over the course of two months. They bought 10,000 houses. Here's why, like I said, even though they have not explicitly confirmed the connection between all of this data that they have been, um, you know, uh, that we've essentially been giving them freely um, and these purchases, the really wild thing, and somebody pointed this out on TikTok, a TikTok that really went viral for kind of going after Zillow, almost not almost all, but a large percentage of the ho- of those ten thousand houses that they bought, they bought for anywhere from twenty to two hundred thousand dollars over asking. They bought them over asking. They bought them over asking. Now, why would you buy a six hundred thousand dollar house for eight hundred thousand dollars? Because if you, you wanted to make money off of it, why would you do that? Because you could sell it for nine hundred thousand. Because because you now have the information that tells you that you could sell it for nine hundred thousand. Not only that, but if you're if you're a corporation as opposed to like a regular person, and you could buy, say, oh, I don't know, ten uh, percent of the houses in a single subdivision or in a single zip code, you could single handedly change the market value of that zip code. Oh. So if once again we're t- like, and I'm making this up because I don't know how much uh, houses in seven eight seven zero four are. That's a zip code in Austin, and it's like kind of a fancier one. But like, let's say all of the houses, like let's say like in like January of 2020, the market value, the estimated market value based on like um, property taxes for houses in that zip code is seven hundred fifty thousand dollars. You go in and you buy a quarter of those houses that are on the market right now yeah. for $900,000, then that is all public information. Now, a quarter of the houses in that area have all gone for $900,000. So that is the new up. market value. Jacks it up. Yeah. So you're not, you're like, and, that, of- and then that means all of the value of all of the other houses, whether they're on sale or not, has now gone up, which means that all of their property taxes go up. Uh, so it's like an, it's, it's, a sort of multi-layered artificial short. 
Yes. So they're creating their own market inflation. And then their idea was that they were going to then sell against that inflation and profit. Wow, that is so like evil James. Like that's a James Bond villain thing to do. Sure. If it makes you feel better, it did not work. It does. It does make me feel better. (laughs) Okay, good. It did not work. And uh, in November of this year, which is, oh, this month that's happening right now, uh, Zillow announced that they were closing the iBuying arm of their company and they're laying off 25%. Of, that, of their workforce, most of whom were working in that arm. They also announced that they would no longer be purchasing homes and that they are looking for buyer, like um, by buyers, I mean like, like they're looking for another company, like not like individual people. Oops, come um, on, buy it. Yeah, they're looking for a company to buy uh, 7,000 of the homes <gasps> that they're still owning. Uh, they said that they are going to lose $420 million <laughs> on this. And it is... And some people think it's like, oh, it's because like, you know, TikTok and and the press and everybody like exposed how they were doing this sort of like artificial inflation and like market manipulation. And while they are being um, investigated for securities fraud right now, they haven't been like charged or anything, but they're being investigated. Can I, is it because they massively overestimated like what people do when they Zillow surf, which is like my wildest dreams? Yes, that is exactly what it is. It is that that (laughs) algorithmic information was not actually did not actually translate to people buying houses like they bought all these houses for like a hundred thousand over asking they then put them back on their own website for two hundred thousand over that amount and then nobody bought it because everyone's like that's stupid because people are because we are also still like coming out of a fucking global pandemic where huge amounts of people lost their jobs and then even more people fucking changed their jobs and maybe even like hopefully if some of them are now in a better space than like where they were before like i mean look the three of us uh two out of the three of us lost our jobs Mm -hmm. uh three out of three of us changed our jobs Mm -hmm. uh but even though like i think like we're very fortunate like the three of us are very fortunate and how that kind of shook out for us uh that was a really volatile fucking experience. I am not in the market to make a major life change right now no. related to like where I live right. or what I'm doing. Especially to, to buy a house that's 200,000 over asking. Yeah. To say nothing of like, to say nothing of the fact that like, again, like that's talking about three people who were like, who came out of it like relatively unscathed. Mm-hmm. There are lots of people who like still are like underemployed or unemployed. And I mean, there was like a big, like hot, like sort of like house buying, I guess, like period of the pandemic. Because if you're going to spend 24 hours a day in your fucking house, you probably want to enjoy it. Well, again, it doesn't translate to like long term change. That's giving the world a bit too much credit. I think there was also people who had the, the, you know, limitless resources buying up a bunch of houses that no one else was buying. <laughs> oh, I think that was totally part of it as well. And Zillow was one of them. Zillow yeah, went in apparently. and bought 10,000 of them. <laughs> Zillow, no, like everyone's least favorite list. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so like that's the thing though, right? Is that people are really like reveling in this, in this news story right now mm. because it is a story of like, um, you know, kind of like tech hubris that then cost the tech company. Here's the thing. I believe that the next time this happens, and it will, um, it'll fall on the other side of the coin and we will be the ones that suffer and not the company. I think that when companies rely on like big, like algorithmic decision making, Mm because that is what like, that's like the CEO's like, 
like official kind of company line is like, well, you know, we had the eye buying arm and it was based on this algorithm that would look at all of the data across like all these market buying trends and it would automatically buy these houses. Like it, it his claim is that, like it, there wasn't a human being that was like making these decisions. And again, like that could, maybe that's like not entirely true. Maybe it is because people find it unsavory to think of like human beings manipulating the markets like that. Um, but, you know, his his claim is that the algorithm would be, would, you know, crunch all the numbers and be like, this house can be bought for $840,000. <laughs> and that it was just wrong because it couldn't actually account for human behavior. I am saying, okay, if you want to take that at face value, the next time that like a big algorithm makes huge changes to something is like, base and visceral is like where people live and how much it costs to live there and they fuck it up like there's a very real human cost to that oh my gosh yeah what do you think connor (laughs) um i think it's pretty good actually you think house good good. actually pretty cool you're like actually i think computers should be in charge of where people live (laughs) well no connor i thought you were a big proponent of like high density housing as sort of like a solution for is that related to this? It could be. Where are my houses? Okay. <sighs> I'm pulling you into the conversation. I'm pro, I'm pro housing. Connor's pro. You Love heard it here house. first. Yeah. Loves a He's house. He's like people. Put them in a house. Put them in the house. Mm. Much like a much like an indie horror game. You're gonna want to be in a house. Well, because mm. like okay, so if I'm doing my right move searching, same thing. My yeah. my, my right move surfing in London. Is there a world in which I can pay half a million pounds for a house? No. Mm-hmm. Not currently, but I'll stretch my limit to that just because, like, I'm interested. What's yeah. around that zone? Did then, in, like, the idea of a computer looking at that and being like, "She's ready to drop half a million on a house" is insane, right? Or like, I mean, another thing that I've absolutely done, like, and I've especially like done this in Austin, is like, yes, like, unless like a lot of things change in a lot of ways, uh, there's no universe in which like I'm gonna be able to spend five million dollars on a house in my lifetime ever. No. But sometimes for fun, I like to go on Zillow or I did before I read about all this stuff and it made me feel icky. I like to go on Zillow and put in like $5 million, you know, West Austin and then just look at what those houses look like and be like, oh my God. Interesting. It's just fun. It's interesting. And then some of them are really fucking tacky and ugly. And I'm like, God, like really money cannot buy you taste. Like some of these are the ugliest things I've ever seen in my life. Trying to imagine like being able to afford a $15 million house on the lake and making it that fucking butt ugly. I think that Um, I like, I once like, put into right move like just like london and then no filter and Mm -hmm. then and then i was like sort by highest to lowest because i was Mm -hmm. like i'm interested and it was this like 11 million pound like castle basically just outside Uh of london that was like you get this whole thing and all and this is all your stuff and like a picture of all these ladies waving and i was like this is so fucked up and weird (laughs) because it's interesting i would never actually obviously be ever in a position where i could drop 11 million on a castle but Mm -hmm. if you're gonna put it on a website i'm gonna look at it Mm mm-hmm so yeah so to kind of like put a finer point on everything and and really like kind of drive home the connection between these two things like you know you think about um i don't know like the not the book version but like the movie version of irobot where they're like we made these robots and they're so smart 
and they're so like strong Oops. and capable <laughs> and like that's scary because now they're going to turn against us uh-uh but the one thing a robot can never understand is like human love and sacrifice because that's the special sauce that a human brain yep. brings to the table and that's why like we'll be able to fight the robots or whatever take like the spirit of that story and then apply it to like the zillow thing where it's like They make this big algorithm that's supposed to make them like untold amounts of money, no matter the human cost of it, because they are going to be able to exactly like laser point how much more, how much they can inflate the price of a house and still make a profit from it. But it doesn't work because it doesn't take into consideration the human element, which means that not everybody is going on that website to say like, okay, this is the exact amount of money that Mm -hmm. I can pay for a house in an area where I need to move to in the next three months. They are doing it for a million. If a million people are on that website, they are searching for a million different reasons. Right, you can never, Uh, and and like, that's something that an an AI will never be able to tell. And something that an AI just like cannot tell. Because we are not smart enough to be able to, to program that and we're the ones that build the AI. But that is not to say that I don't think a singularity will happen. I just think it will happen when, like, I don't know, algorithms, like, dictate how, like, the shield that shields us from the sun after Mm -hmm. our ozone layer is gone works, and it just fucks up, and then we all, like, burn one day. Well, you know. Something like that. Give a robot a cake. You know. They can tell you what it's made of and when it was made, probably. But they couldn't tell you who it was made for and why. Aww. I thought you were going to say, but they can't tell you if it tastes good. (laughs) Also that. <laughs> sure. That as well. They can't tell you it was made with love. Connor, do you have any points bubbling in your Yeah. Uh, it's time palace. to score two ladies. Is it time? Yeah. Yeah. Uh what are the current scores? Ooh, I'm not able to reveal that to you at this point. Even uh, though I am looking at them. Um, <laughs> she doesn't no. trust you. Look, I know uh, that you're coming in third place with one hundred points. Mm-hmm. I think each of us have like somewhere in the ballpark of like twenty five hundred points. Okay, so I'm 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 gonna be in third for a while. You're yeah, you're behind. <laughs> I mean, you could really change you're, this for yourself right you're now. You're currently if you behind. <laughs> Do not give him ideas. <laughs> you are currently behind. Yes, that's why you're in third place. Mm-hmm. But uncontested. Well, because think yeah. about it. It's been a while since you've been on the show, but we've continued to accrue points in that time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. One could say that's fair. Yeah. You know what? I'm gonna give it to Ellie. <gasps> Because I do it to Chelsea all the other times. Interesting. She uh, is winning. Yeah. Well, just so you know. Well, and uh, Ellie, I want you to cherish uh, your one point. Thank you so much. <gasps> just a one there. And yeah. for Chelsea, how many? Is that just then? No. Uh, I guess I'll give you two points. So two points to two me points and one for point for Chelsea. One point for it. Chelsea. Uh-huh. Uh, wow. We really nudged the needle wow. on this episode. Well, I don't want to... And then how many points for Connor? <laughs> and then I'll get a point for myself. One point. 101? Yeah. So it's going to be 101 for Connor. 101. I am yeah. going to write that down. Well, so I don't we'll... want to just like make more work for myself later. But That's... you guys too many points. That's yeah. fair enough. <laughs> what do you mean later? Are you envisioning like... An... Other episodes? Are you envisioning like another episode in which like you really just take it? Well, just like anybody could just give me points at some point. This is true. That's he is true. sitting on one, 101. So yeah. that means that Connor is in third place with 101 points. <laughs> Chelsea's in second place with 1,043 points. And I'm in first place with 1,051 points. So I actually wasn't correct when I said 2,500. I don't really know where that No, I enjoyed from. that, though. I was like, <laughs> all right. <laughs> Maybe add them together plus a little bit of spice and we're close. <laughs> 
Uh, well, I hope you're proud of yourself, Connor. And I hope you enjoy sleeping with the fishes tonight. No! Which is what I mean. The big when I fish? Say, yeah, you'll be on the couch with our big fish. The big fish? Oh. Yeah. Sleeping with the fishes. <laughs> Me and um, mom will be in the bed. Chelsea and or Connor, where can people find you? You can find my comics on Instagram at cornershoe.comics. With an X. With an X. Love it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You can find me at Chelsea Harfouche wherever internets are sold. And as like a fun little like bonus plug. <gasps> bonus plug. Um, allegedly, 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 a story that I wrote, a spooky little short story that I wrote is going to be on the potty, on the potty cast. <laughs> the potty cast. No, on the podcast Nighty Night. That's why I said potty cast. On the podcast <laughs> Nighty Night with Robbie Chowdhury uh, on November 30th. I have been told that my story was going to go on November 30th. It's not a podcast I produce, therefore I cannot guarantee it. That's why I say allegedly. Uh-huh. But I'm plugging it now so everyone can get like emotionally prepared Beautiful. and maybe go subscribe to 99 Night with Robbie Ashaudry. Uh, and then I will definitely be sure to tell when I do know for sure if it's going to come out on the 30th. Like when... That was clear and not confusing. And it wasn't confusing at all, right? <laughs> Look, on November 30th, a short story I wrote is going to be on this podcast. The name of the podcast is Nighty Night with Robbie Ashaudry. Go subscribe to it now so that on the 30th you can hear that story. And we will also put that in the show notes. And when I say we, I mean Chelsea. And Chelsea will put it in there in the link. You can find me at Ellie Main on Instagram and Ellie Maney on Twitter. And you can find this podcast at WhatPod on Twitter, Instagram, Rebel, Patreon, Facebook. And I think that's it. I always get confused. And you can find our website at thosetwogirls.club. Thank you guys so much for listening. And this week, I don't know, maybe go and learn something. Connor, tonight when you're sleeping with the fish, you want to go ahead and keep it loose? Keep it tight? Yes, say your prayers tonight. Because you only gave me one point. Wow. <laughs>